We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. We are talking running backs and quarterbacks ahead of the NFL draft on today's Road of His Overtime along with Travis May. We had him on on the Monday edition where we talked wide receivers and tight ends lots of good nuggets and information in there from all the different players that we did run through and discuss so if you haven't checked that out when we finish up today's show you've listened to this one jump back over that was the monday edition of the podcast and of course make sure you are subscribed to the road of his overtime podcast to get all these shows once they go live and are available but excited to have travis back here once again sneak peek behind the curtain we recorded these shows back to back i'm sure people are really surprised to hear that that is how as they say the sausage <laughs> is made you know we peel back yeah. the curtain sometimes we were also talking about the times as we get ready to record the second show it is 5 50 p.m monday as i record i believe we're at close to what are we at almost noon with you travis is that right you're in yeah coming night. up on noon for, for me so yeah and then and then sean is at uh, 9 50 a.m as we record this so we love to talk about the the eastern time zone as we that's where, where me and sean get our times ready to record shows but we have it we managed to all be here at the one time which is always a great sign the the tricky part is when maybe you're sitting there and the time has changed for daylight savings or something like that and you're wondering where the other part of the the show is but we are all good and we're ready to talk some running backs and quarterbacks interesting class some i think some pretty talented guys in there the the top of the list being Bijan Robinson, Sean, like I did with uh, the top wide receiver prospect, take it away with the top running back. Well, Travis, I mean, Robinson, absolutely fantastic. So instead of talking about all the ways he's fantastic, let's kind of put you on the hot seat right from the beginning here. And I mean, historically, how great is this guy? Rank him for us compared to Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott sort of the greatest prospects. Of the Is he the best running back of all time? <laughs> I mean, already. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame already. I think that's, that's how that works. Uh, but no, there's there's a chance that he might actually be number one of that bunch that you mentioned. Uh, because, I mean, Barkley we love because he was just that next level freak athlete. But as an actual running back, he was, he was there were questions about his down-to-down 
success rate. You know, like even even coming in, like we didn't really talk about that much because we just wanted to talk about like his, you know, ridiculous run against Iowa or, you know, his 4-3-3 speed or something like that. Um, but he's right there, I think, with Saquon. I didn't think so for a long time, but I think it was just because I look back on Saquon as a uh, as a prospect through, you know, with rose-colored glasses on a little bit too much. Um, and so, I, I, you know, as we do with with Zeke, and I think about that playoff run, but I think objectively, Bijan's right there, if not ahead of all of those guys. Uh, so the hype is very real, but we've known that uh, he was a special for quite some time. So are there, are there any uh, – to say that, I mean, you're basically saying that this guy is the perfect prospect. Is there even the tiniest red flag that people should be aware of and or maybe more – even more relevant would be I, – I mean, are there any kind of landing spots that would be such a poor fit that it would knock him not necessarily out of the top spot or – at the position or even overall, but it would limit your enthusiasm a little bit. Oh man. Uh, like if it was something weird, like, uh, like the Titans just went ahead and drafted him. Like I think back to even how, like what happened with Derrick Henry, like he came in and he was, you know, the running back two in that class, but the Titans already had DeMarco Murray and DeMarco Murray actually held on to the job. And, um, and Derrick Henry was basically, I don't know, not wasted, but, not fully utilized for like two years. And that would be kind of doomsday scenario for fantasy football purposes. And I'm not that that's the most likely scenario, but um, you know, we didn't think it was likely scenario with the Titans at the time either. And it just so happened that that was the case with Derrick Henry. So that would be kind of terrible, but long-term, you know, my Titans are incredibly frustratingly dedicated to the run. So uh, that might be a good thing for him long-term. Next up, then, we have Jamar Gibbs, and uh, maybe a unique prospect. Um, who's similar to him, kind of in the similar vein as, as Sean's question? Is there anyone that kind of seems like a like-for-like like comparison with Gibbs? Well, I mean, he's Jamal Charles, right? Like, that's that's who he is. Like he, uh, <laughs> Sean, all, all he to... Don't get Sean too excited here. We know yeah, how much Sean likes yeah. Jamal. I, I do, and that's why I say that. I've got, I've got, I mean, he's been the... Oh. I mean, he's been kind of that, that that comp for me for a while now, but then he had the audacity to show up like at the exact same weight at the combine and run the exact same 40. And as I joked about on a couple of shows already this, this draft season, all that's left is he just needs to join the, the, the Chiefs at the end of round one here. And then uh, the rest is history. He'll also be a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, day one. So, yeah. We thought that all is, uh, you know, when we look back at the draft with the Chiefs taking Edwards Alaire, we kind of joke from time to time that all we needed there was for them to take Jonathan Taylor. So, uh, yeah, seriously, let's, let's not like, talk about, you know, Gibbs to the Chiefs just yet. Well, well, we can dream, right? Like, we can definitely I, dream. Like, that's that's who the Chiefs meant to draft that year. They're like, man, they just didn't just know that the he name was, wrong. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we meant Jameer Gibbs. But he just wasn't old enough yet, so it wasn't, you know, technicalities. But I still can't believe that. Like, Jonathan Taylor standing them right at the face. And like, you know what? We should probably just take the running back six in this class. It's fine. I'm going to jump, Sean. How excited <laughs> are you to hear to hear that there? Not not that uh, we'll forget about the, the CEH draft pick, but <laughs> that, that Gibbs may fall into the Jamal Charge bracket and then that he may end up on the Kansas City Chiefs. Well... I know that there are some analysts who are justifiably, I mean, if you want to emphasize the wrong things, <laughs> <laughs> are justifiably not that excited about him. But I'm always telling people he's Jamal Charles. 
maybe Jamal Charles, who's a better receiver. And so mm-hmm. I look at this and I'm I'm thinking to myself, I mean, it just seems so absurd to say it after what Travis has just said about Robinson, but I'm going to feel there's like a 35% chance that Gibbs is actually the guy who scores the most points over the next five years. And I mean, partly we know that just because there are going to be potential for injuries, but even if it's not injury related and I mean, the landing spot obviously is going to make a difference. I don't think that there's a scenario here. People have asked me, you know, is there a scenario where, I mean, number one, I'm the reason the scenario like him jumping Robinson would make a lot more sense than CEH jumping Taylor was that these guys are closer than those guys were where you got one of the great, I mean, for me personally, Jonathan Taylor is still a better prospect than either Robinson or Saquon Barkley. Uh, a little bit of a minority there, but I think we don't, I mean, that's a whole other podcast. But, I mean, there was no way in which Edwards and Lair was going to be similar regardless of what team he went to. And again, it's easy to say that now in retrospect where Taylor was so amazing. And it was easy to, it was easy to say it then. It was really easy to say it then, but people were like, no. Yeah. Well, and you know, again, we got to throw in our little (laughs) plug for the rookie guide. We did keep that as Taylor in the rookie guide, which I think was the right call. So (laughs) I think so. I think we got it. (laughs) Gibbs. I mean, if you're saying Jamar Jamal Charles and and Gibbs goes, it doesn't even have to be the Chiefs. If he goes into a good situation, I think it's easy to forget that the guys who've been scoring points in the last several years. Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. I don't think he's Christian McCaffrey, but when you're talking about Marshall Falk, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, Jamal Charles, Ray Rice, small guys score fantasy points. They do. They they can. And it's not that uh, it's ideal for them to anyone to be like sub 200, uh, but I think that he can play at 200 or 205 and and be just as explosive, 210 even, and be more than fine in the, in the NFL. And he doesn't have to either. Like he really doesn't have to. Um, because of his receiving ability, he's going to have a nice four value and he's a fantastic runner too. I know that if you want to dive into the analytical like efficiency numbers uh, at Georgia Tech, there were times that he struggled. Uh, his rushing yards over expectation, you know, we could you know overthink things there. But a lot of efficiency metrics aren't necessarily uh, sticky when it comes to running back uh, predictiveness. So, yeah, I, I just like Gibbs a lot. And it might sound like too high, hot takey to say he's Jamal Charles, but that's that's in the cards, really. It really is. So, so we've started off with, you know, people are getting excited listening to this, Travis. Is this going to be the greatest running back class of all time? We've got uh, Zach <laughs> Carbonet. Uh, is he in a tier by himself <laughs> after this? Um, you know, just, I guess we didn't touch it, but we didn't say overall the class. How excited are you about this running back class in general? Is it that it's very top heavy with those guys, or is it overall here where we should be getting pretty excited? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great class, top to bottom. I mean, there's like 15 guys probably that are in the conversation at least to be uh, day one, day two, not day one, but day two at least uh, draft picks. Like, I mean, there's so much disagreement when it comes to. Like how high should we have Roshan Johnson? How high should we have Israel Abanaconda? How high should we have uh, Tajay Spears? And there's it, it feels like everyone has like a my guy or even like a type of my guy that they want to rank up uh, over a bunch of these guys in this tier. But yeah, there's I would say in, in, in regards to your first question with Charbonnet, he's not probably quite in his own tier by himself, but there's an argument to be made that he might be because just because he has, does he have size questions? No. Does he have athleticism questions? 
No. Does he have like receiving game receiving game questions? I I don't think so. So like I like you, you go down the list and there aren't many questions with Charbonnet, uh, whereas you might have one or two with a bunch of the guys and you know running back four through fifteen. I don't I don't have as many with Sharp. So yeah, Zach Char- Charbonnet uh, two years ago definitely when he couldn't uh, you know really take hold of the Michigan backfield. But frustrating it's frustrating how like basically no one it seems has fully taken hold of that backfield uh, for those that follow Michigan, uh, you know, football, like even now, like it's Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, and we both want them to succeed, but I'd rather them be on separate teams. So they both produce. Uh, and so, yeah, when he went, went to UCLA, perfect opportunity and he killed it. And so, yeah, running back three for me. And um, there's eh, almost a tear break uh, and and there might be, I just, I struggle to, to get all the way uh, there with him because he doesn't feel truly elite, but, he feels like he should be around two selection in the real draft. You mentioned not having that elite thing necessarily. And I guess for me, that's almost a bigger red flag than having a red flag in that you say he checks all the boxes. But I, when we look at these guys who really score at the NFL level, the vast majority of them have something that really stands out now i think you could make the argument that maybe josh jacobs wouldn't really fit that now he goes in the first round so he's going to get a ton of opportunity he got that opportunity he failed for a long time to the point where you know they don't even execute the fifth year option although again for a running back in the salaries that's a little bit of a different thing certainly they wish they had done it but you look at him and then you look at the next group and some of these guys in the next tier or tiers do have some exciting elements to their game breakdown for us the next two groups. So I've, I've got a potentially really large tier. I had a couple of these guys were in a second tier, but I, I wanted to throw them up in to this group just to not bias it for you to say, <laughs> you know, okay, well, Sean's already put these guys below. <laughs> so, I mean, we've got a chain, we've got Spears, we've got Evans, Vanikanda that you mentioned, Tucker, obviously some weirdness there with his ability to work out and whatnot. Uh, McBride, Again, some questions about the workout. And then Johnson, controversial. Chase Brown, someone that Blair has written a fantastic deep dive on. Anybody who really wants to get in the weeds there, I would check out his piece. And then Miller, another workout kind of thing. Is that one tier? Is it two tiers? Is it even like three tiers? Who's rising to the top of this group for you and and who's kind of falling back? Um, Despite the imperfect uh, production profile, I I don't even, I'm not sure if you even mentioned Tank Tank Bigsby in there, but he's definitely in that, that next group. I don't know how big that next group is, but for me, there is just kind of one big blob (laughs) uh, where uh, the opportunity and landing spot is going to be very, very important. Really from that, like four to maybe not quite 15, but there's, there's a big, big group that, that I'm not really sure of. Like, I really like. Uh, a lot of what they do, but I don't, I don't necessarily confidently go, man, that is obviously the running back four. like, regardless of capital, he's going to be over this player. Like, and when I have tier players, I think of, man, there'd be, there would have to be a, a major flip flop in opportunity or major flip flop in capital uh, to, to move them around. And I'm, I'm a little bit more fluid once you get outside those top three. And does it feel to you like in terms of the NFL draft, the NFL is potentially like that in terms of, those guys from five through 15 could really go in, in any order. And if the guy that is ranked seventh goes 15th, do you think it could flip that much between those guys that there isn't really a consensus? 
Not necessarily that like my 15 would move to four, but it there's just a lot of uh, overlap, I guess, between uh, and gray area between uh, groups and tiers there. Venn because I mean, like, are overlapping at that point. They are. They're like, and, and they're all in a circle. So I don't know how to actually rank it's them. Just like, one big circle. Yeah, it's just like a circle of Venn diagrams, like where, and, and it makes sense um, if you uh, have a broken brain like me. But uh, like you know, certain players that have elite speed, like the, the Devin A chains. But he has major size questions. Uh, but he was really efficient. But again, even louder now, size questions. Uh, I, I want to rank uh, Devin A. Chain ridiculously high <laughs> because he has Olympic level sprinting ability. Um, and if he can pack on five to ten pounds and uh, produce anyway, like he Austin Eckler is like that. That outcome is in the cards for that kind of player. Um, and then you have a, a handful of guys that run really angry and break, break a bunch of tackles. A lot of the uh, tank Bigsby's of, of the world that uh, if they go to an opportunity where they're even one, a, I, I would say that they have the skills and ability and athleticism to, to shove out one B and, and be a solid producer. Um, but the shelf life not, might not be as long for that uh, particular type of runner. And so like, there's all these players that um, have a little bit of something uh, but then also a question <laughs> in their profile. Um, and so it's it's hard to confidently say, you know, this player, like, again, it's just like this player is running back four, this player is five. Uh, like Zach Evans is another one. Like I want to rank him way higher, uh, but uh, he just has throughout his career had uh, one or two things that have prevented him from being a true alpha running back. And I wonder uh, if there's just some variables or information that we as somebody who doesn't get to interview players, just doesn't know about him, that's going to you know hurt his real draft capital, that's going to hurt his longevity uh, or ability to um, be a, you know, quote unquote, good locker room guy. It's anecdotal, but it's, um, you know, it, it matters. And so everyone, I think, outside that top three has at least one question where I'm like, man, that, that, that kind of puts a dent in the profile. And is there anyone that when we're looking into potential sleeper category, I don't know even if maybe it is one of those guys in that top 15 of the running backs. Is there anyone that you're looking to to plant your flag on that the listeners should be keeping an eye on over the next couple of weeks to see where they land? Yeah, I think that that guy for me has for a long time been Tank, Tank Bigsby. Um, and it's just the external factors that have impacted the uh, imperfect profile, I think have some people questioning his ability. But uh, dating back to when he was probably 17, he was in the conversation to be ranked over uh, Bijan Robinson. Like it was Zach Evans, who was the running back one in that class for a long time ahead of Bijan. He fell down because of some, frankly, you know, lightly, how do I put this? Just kind of uh, uh, emotional or social or commitment issues. Um, you know, the services kind of dipped him down the rankings because he was weird about his recruiting journey throughout, throughout his final year. But Tank Bixby was barely rated below Bijan Robinson because at the time, Tank Bixby was just as good a, a, as a receiving threat, if not even better, coming in and um, had a fantastic contact balance, had fantastic vision. Uh, just went to a, a system that wasn't as friendly, went through a coaching change, uh, and um, you know just struggled offensively as a whole, struggled with quarterback play and consistency around him. And so... There were a lot of external factors that that Tank Bigsby just couldn't overcome. But even so, he had back-to-back 1,100-yard-plus seasons. And so I think he's still somebody that I think in the right situation could be immediately that running back three that overtakes uh, Zach Charbonnet or it, it, or comes up to compete with, at least in the short term, you know, Abijan or Jameer Gibbs. Um, 
so he's that that type of potential uh, moonshot type play that you know that a lot of people I see him you know running back eight, running back nine, running back ten or below. Uh, but he could be up in that that stratosphere. Travis, uh, again, we want to let everybody know who if there's anybody doesn't. I mean, you are the the college football guru, so I, I wanted to ask you this question as I'm thinking through it, and it's something that does come up for me pretty consistently as I'm looking at potentially these top guys. And that would be the level of competition for Spears and McBride, who if you eliminate that, then I mean, those two guys are extremely exciting. But but that does introduce some uncertainty, I think, when you're looking at their metrics, knowing you know the teams that they play for. One of the things kind of interesting, I mean, Tulane, obviously a good team last season. And if you look at their strength of schedule, at least – uh, you know, according to some ways of calculating it, almost identical to UCLA. And so you would have basically maybe similar concerns for players who play in the Pac-12. But obviously Tulane being good themselves doesn't mean that they're not playing some weaker teams. Looking at those guys, I mean, how much do we need to adjust? What do we need to know about those two players given the caliber of play that they're dealing with game in, game out? Uh, yeah, I think that's something that even NFL – um, analytics staffers are still trying to figure out. Um, I, I've I've had the opportunity over the past six months to talk to multiple uh, just nerds like myself, <laughs> but they you know they actually work for teams, and uh, they you know like when they ask me questions like or the, like I asked you know what you what are you guys struggling with, and uh, you know they were one of the big things was like how to weight uh, mobility and uh, you know, ability to avoid sacks for quarterbacks, and then uh, second it was like within just every position, how to properly weight and, and adjust for strength of schedule uh, or adjust for strength of teammates and like how that impacts somebody who, you know, might be, um, you know, really performing well, but like, is this just because of everything coming together perfectly for them? And it's, it's really easy given their level of athleticism at that level of play. Uh, that's a question that we've been arguing about in fantasy circles and like real NFL play, uh, decision makers and, analysts and analytics staffers are they don't know what to do with and i think it's very real because in both uh, circumstances they're the best playmaker on their team um but yeah Tulane the year prior was two and ten so you better be the best offensive playmaker on your team and Tulane turned it around perfect offense uh, i mean Mac michael pratt his quarterback uh he was teams were trying to poach him away uh, this this offseason to move him up a level and make him a power five quarterback, but he chose to even return for one more year. Like he was a really good quarterback. It was a really good offensive system, perfect for Tajay Spears to succeed. Um, and and you know, props to him for putting the season together that he did. But man, his running back too, um, like is you know, there's a zero percent chance he ever gets draft capital. You know, and like the the the, the competition is a real question throughout his entire career. Um, and he was even before this year when there was, you know, anybody with a pulse to share carries with, he wasn't the feature, you know, like any, like, and, but even so the guys he was splitting time with were future undrafted free agent level talents. Um, so there's, there's questions there. And then with McBride, especially, there's just no one there that's remotely competent that would ever take a, a significant amount of work from him. Um, and the competition concerns are way more real for you know a, a team like UAB playing against Conference USA uh, stuff versus AAC conference 
schedule level um, opponents because the AAC is for those that don't follow college football, they're like in this in-between space, They're like almost power five and they're better than the rest of the group of five, but they're not really quite, you know, up to par. Uh, Whereas conference USA this past year or two might've been the worst division one, like FBS conference in existence. And so um, I have major, major, major concerns with the, uh, competition level for McBride, even more so with Spears. Uh, so, and, and, and then there's, there's medical things servicing with, uh, Spears and, uh, still we, we won't get testing on McBride. So I do not have them very high and I will be lower even after capital happens, even if they both get reached for then basically everyone, I will be lowered on them by a good, good margin. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving on to the quarterback position, and this is a class where there's kind of four names, I guess, towards the top or at the top of it. We have Bryce Young, we have CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. We're going to leave the latter two of those for just a moment to focus on Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Coming in with those guys, are they, for you, clearly the the top two prospects as we move into this class? And I guess uh, doing our little comparison that we did earlier, anyone that you would be comparing them to from, I guess, let's say the last decade. You can go before that. Obviously, we've had a a group of quarterbacks who have a very prolonged career, so maybe it would be somebody who came into the NFL more than a decade ago but retired since that. We'll leave all options open. And then uh, any red flags with those guys? We've had some rookie quarterbacks come in over the last four or five years and have immediate, immediate success. We've also seen some come in and struggle in that rookie year and then and then start to pick things up like uh trevor lawrence who obviously had a big step up in year two but how are we feeling about those two in particular entering the the draft here and and what sort of impact they could have in the nfl they've just been the safest uh projections for success for a while you know it's been back-to-back years where they're both at least in the conversation to be in in heisman um they are without a doubt ridiculously athletic and uh accurate um they don't really either use really use their mobility that know they possess 
as much as we, we typically like to see. Uh, but, you know, Bryce Young has the improvisation to his game to extend plays and um, like his average time to throw like that shows up there. But he doesn't really use his uh, legs as much as like, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson might. But the, so it's, it's weird because he's super small and super athletic and super smart. And, like you know, there's recently it was leaked that he, um, you know, tested the best in terms of the S2 uh, like process testing. That's actually local here in, in like near Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, you know, teams basically test how fast you process information. Um, uh, you know, it's big in Major League Baseball. It's bigger in football now. Bryce Young was number one there. Uh, he's like, you know, two back-to-back -back seasons, 90th percentile marks and pass efficiency. Uh, so I wouldn't, you know, knock any team for taking Bryce. CJ Stroud, I mean, <laughs> he's probably the most accurate passer, has back-to-back -back 95th percentile plus pass efficiency marks by, I don't know, like every measure possible. If you want to talk about, you know, adjusted yards per attempt or, you know, a scheme adjusted pass efficiency, which is a metric I, I made for Rotoviz, or you want to talk about his passing EPA per play um, or, you know, even advanced charting metrics. Like these guys are just like, we've not, they're just, they're going to hit period. Uh, I don't know who the comp is for young. Uh, there isn't probably one because of his size. Like maybe like if you squint, it's Kyler, but he's not as mobile uh, and he's probably not as thick technically. But uh, with with Stroud, I think uh, I see a little bit of uh, Joe Burrow with more athleticism. Um, and Ohio State's weird with uh, how they even let their quarterbacks run. Like they basically just tell them don't. <laughs> uh, and that showed up with Fields as he became like a you know borderline ten percent, twelve percent rushing yard market share quarterback. To oh by the way, I'm going to you know put up a thousand rushing yards this year. Uh, I could see something like that happening with Stroud, where like how was he this mobile? Why wasn't he? doing that in college because like his first collegiate touch was a 48 yard rushing touchdown. I think people forget that. And so uh, they're both just head and shoulders above as passers and as decision makers and maybe Stroud struggles against the blitz, but man, like, like it, it's hard to find a critique that's legitimate with either. Do you like either of them to run <laughs> in the NFL? Because one of the things you said, and I think this is very true, is that these are about as safe and high level of prospects as you're going to ever have. And yet, when we're thinking about it from a fantasy perspective, they mm -hmm. have to hit at, I mean, no one's going to be Mahomes. You've got to hit at a Burrow level. And you even think about someone like Justin Herbert, who two years ago was a superstar. He did surprise some people. He's, I mean, these guys have better numbers than he did in college for sure. But he immediately demonstrated that he was that guy. And yet, if you don't run, then mm -hmm. you've got to be a consistent megastar to have the kind of fantasy impact that I think people are assuming that is automatic for these two quarterbacks, which in some ways isn't fair to them. But like you said, they're they're athletic enough that mm -hmm. if they wanted to, they probably could some. Yeah, and, and I just don't think either is going to be the next Lamar, the next Jalen Hurts, the next... Uh, what insert quarterback here, you know, Justin Fields even. Um, like, they just, that's not their game. Uh, but I think they can be a a athletic enough, like in the league anymore. Like if you, you basically just get viewed as a complete replacement statue. Uh, if you don't, you know, get at least 150 plus rushing yards a year, like maybe, maybe even more than that, maybe 200, 250 rushing yards a year. Like the bare minimum for mobility is like a Dak, Dak Prescott profile. Uh, but if you're like a Jared Goff profile, like you're the, the, the position of like almost everyone's like, man, he, you're, you're not long for the league. Like I'd rather have so-and-so and -so, I'd, I'd rather have so-and-so. And so I, I think they're both, at, you know, more athletic than a golf, <laughs> uh, but they can be, a, a, you know, 
you know, Stafford plus mobility, <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, you know, mobile enough right away. And I, and I would not be surprised if they're much more than that. Uh, but it was frustrating because when you try to profile players um, and you look at rushing metrics, both fall short <laughs> uh, by quite a bit uh, below what we, we want to see. Like anymore, like in college, like you should be getting 10 or 15% of your team's rushing yards if you're, you know, a good enough uh, pop, pocket manipulator and, and modern NFL prototype. But neither really did that consistently. So the passing's there. Uh, now show me the value that I know you have with your legs. And so that kind of forces us or creates a great segue into a couple of players who are almost the exact opposite. And what was your reaction to Anthony Richardson's combine? Because it seemed like the reaction from most people is that this is the greatest athlete of all time. And so now we can definitely ignore what he did as an actual quarterback, as an actual passer. And that may be, uh, again, <laughs> me very much slanting the question, but I mean, <laughs> we, we knew how athletic he was. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there seems to me like there's an element of double counting, but also, would you say that the athleticism shows up as a passer? Would you say that athleticism shows up as a rusher? I mean, one of the things that is a little bit odd to me is that, I mean, again, and you were part of this process, but we were a little bit higher on guys like Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter at Rotoviz, and I think most people were. But it seems to me like, and, and again, when you talk about how it's going to transition to the NFL, it can be different than what it was in college. But there's not like some massive difference between how Anthony Richardson ran in college versus how Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter ran in college. Mm -hmm. So having said all of that, the combine, where he is now, Anthony Richardson, go. Sure. Uh, yeah, that, that was interesting because we, we knew for a very long time, uh, for nerds like me that follow recruiting, uh, we were hyping up Anthony Richardson when he was like a junior, senior in, in high school because we're like, whoa, look at this giant just, you know, throwing these little tiny children to the side. And <laughs> and and it's funny watching, you know, future NFL athletes just dunk on, you know, these five foot seven safeties that will never even play college football. Um, and so we were really excited about the potential athletically uh, for forever. And that's always been Richardson's calling card. Like that's been the only reason for, I don't know, for a year or two, um, the, the potential for him to be this kind of early first round pick was there. It's like, but hey, you know, if he puts it together as a passer, it'll happen. And I'll get to that in a moment. But the the combine thing is like, I, I had to build out some projections and expectations for what I do now with Mojo. Because uh, like how much, you know, should a certain percentage of uh, their value change based on a certain outcome. And like the betting lines for his 40 were like what he ran. <laughs> it was like four, four, five, four, four, four. Like where you can bet on that. It's like, hey, that's what you got to pay up. That that's the that's the expectation. And he did exactly what we expected. Like I I'm, I missed his vertical jump by a half inch. I missed his broad jump by two inches. It's like yes, we knew he was going to be the most athletic quarterback of all time. Like or at least in the conversation. And then it happened, and people were like, oh my gosh, like how did this happen? And and it's like we knew it already. Um, so, but I, I get it. Most people don't tune in till the combine. So like, Oh my gosh. And so, so that, you know, everyone has to, you know, move them up and confidently rank them as a top five pick. And, but what you said is something I have not said, uh, or really thought of, of about, and when comparing them to last year's quarterbacks, they were really mobile guys last year. 
that were better passers last year that didn't get capital last year. They weren't the otherworldly athletes necessarily that Richardson was, but in terms of his actual rushing production, um, it wasn't really different than even Sam Howell's last season in North Carolina. Uh, so how it actually translates to the field, like that matters a lot. I feel like every single year we get stuck, the NFL gets stuck still on like, man, what could be versus what actually happened on the field. You know what I mean? And so what actually happened on the field was Richardson was mobile and he added value. He missed some tackles, especially on the one LSU run that everyone's shown 4,000 times. But he also missed, I don't know, like every short pass he ever attempted, it feels like. And so uh, he <laughs> took some, <laughs> like he took uh, shots downfield and made some big plays because he does have a rocket arm. He can, you know, probably sit on his knees and chuck at 70 yards. That's cool. That's, that's a great party trick, Anthony Richardson. And I'm forever going to get painted as the, you know, negative hater of Anthony Richardson. And that's okay. All I'm just doing is asking questions like, Hey man, but what do we do with the fact that he's got like a 36th percentile passing profile? Like, you know, like what do we do with the fact that there is no comp in existence because he's the worst passer to ever even be considered drafted in the last 10 years? Like, and that's not even hyperbole. That's just reality. Um, and and so like he's good at avoiding pressure, and that athleticism shows up there. He's got a very low uh, pressure to sack rate. Great. He also has a great internal clock that shows up. He like he knows when to throw away the uh, the ball. Sometimes he actually does it too early. Um, you know he's got a clean pocket because he had fantastic offensive line play, and he just chucks it away because he doesn't know what he's looking at downfield probably. Um, in in some cases. So I just have a lot uh, more questions with him because he's literally never demonstrated that he's a good passer in a large sample. His highlight plays are, are wow worthy. Man, that 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 15 yard speed out that was incredible. Anticipation, accuracy, power, fantastic. That that deep over, man, you were getting hit in the leg. You still, you know, perfect spot, man. Like that that deep ball, like down the right sideline, fantastic. Uh, you add the, the the value with your legs in LSU. You do the pirouette against Utah. Like he's got the highlights. We've all seen the same seven plays, and this is basically the only seven plays because like he, his sample size is so small. So, uh, man, we're just projecting with incredible confidence at this point, aren't we? <laughs> it just feels weird. Could it be a positive that there are no comps? And is it a like Could a be, mild yeah. point in his favor that I mean they faced a difficult schedule. Mm-hmm. A difficult schedule. And you know what? His wide receivers, bad. They're really, like, really bad. Like, worse than Will Levis' situ- situation. Um, and, uh, you know, offensive system. They were, there was, I know some Florida boosters that were kind of mad at uh, how Napier was trying to use Richardson. Richardson was allegedly uh, very upset at how Napier, the new, newer coach there, was trying to um, run and utilize him. The, you know, primarily a, uh, you know, a pistol heavy system formation wise, you know, so it's, it's, it, it wasn't what Richardson wanted to run or what he was used to running. And I think that really contributed to him not staying in college. Um, so there, there are some built in, you know, next level uh, excuses that we could have with Richardson. And it is maybe a plus that we've never seen somebody like this. Cause um, you know, he's just basically an alien athletically, but uh, I mean, he had really great offensive line play. He's got a very short resume uh, of production that is bad as a passer so, man, I'm just worried. Uh, just Typically what we do with rookie quarterbacks, if they're not immediately amazing, uh, we critique them to a ridiculous level and panic and throw them in the trash. Like even really good players like Trevor Lawrence, 
people are wanting to get rid of him after his first year. Justin Fields, we're still like having people saying he's bad, even after what he did this year. And Zach Wilson, he's already out of the league, apparently, uh, in most people's minds. Like, and just a year or two ago, they're like top five no brainer picks. Uh, and so, if, if Richardson's in the wrong scenario, like wrong situation, I feel like people are going to abandon him quickly. You mentioned some of the contrasts between Richardson and Levis just in passing there. Levis, the other guy who is interesting, does seem like he'll go early. And maybe there are some comps for him. Would a Josh Allen, a Daniel Jones, a Jake Locker, I mean, are any of those three comps accurate? And if are if they're all accurate, does that kind of give us a sense of the full range of what you could get with that kind of profile? I think in terms of a passer, um, I'm not a fan necessarily of Will, Will Levis. Like, well, he's just below what we want to see analytically in terms of passing metrics um, everywhere. But it's not as bad as it is with Richardson. It wasn't as, as bad as, as, as it was with uh, Josh Allen um, or uh, Daniel Jones. Jan- Daniel Jones was even worse. And, um, you know, I, there's people that are trying to tell me he's good, but he can't even, you know, he's got how many passing touchdowns he had last year? Like 16 or something in a full season? Cool. That's a, that, that's a that's a that's a hit, guys. Uh, whatever. Uh, but anyway, no, I, I think he doesn't have the mobility uh, that Josh Allen did in college, or Daniel Jones did actually. Jo- Jones, Duke was terrible, and so he had to like be the running game too. I think he he uh, accounted for more than fifteen percent, if not over twenty percent of the rushing yards one of his seasons. Uh, Josh Allen, same deal. He was like 18 percent or more of the rushing yards for Wyoming because he just had to put the offense on his back um, and probably had even a better cannon for an arm than Will Levis uh, did. Um, but yeah, there, there are definitely some accuracy questions. I don't think either one is a fair comp because Will Levis is not as much of a threat with his legs. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because of this year, because he was not 100%. He had lower body issues, ankle issues, whatever it was that affected his mobility. And he was taking, you know, a sack every third play. It felt like um, because of it, but it, you know, we, the version that we should get at the next level could be uh, 2021 Will Levis, which is just good enough to disappoint. Um, you know, he's got that. Uh, to me, he's more of like a Kenny Pickett profile than he is like a, a Josh Allen. Like, I, I don't think the upside is as high because his mobility is not great. Um, and his arm is fantastic, but the accuracy is not there. So it's just like that profiles like a miss. Like, that's not saying he's terrible. He just profiles like a miss and a miss without incredibly high upside. Final question to wrap up on the quarterbacks is there's obviously four names that we have discussed there. Who goes as the top quarterback in this class in terms of draft pick? Oh, that's CJ Stroud. I mean, it's been the, the money uh, favorite for a while. Um, and I think that that comes to fruition. I think he fits and the staff loves him there. Maybe Reich is like the only one doesn't that doesn't just buzz. I don't, I don't know who, who to listen to, but... Stroud's the most accurate passer with the prototypical size. And yeah, sometimes the, the layup's just that easy. Yeah, I always find it interesting when we get to these last couple of weeks. Sometimes uh you know things can things change so much in the yeah, the final and then Hooker's a first rounder now, guys. Did you know that? And so I mean, I I think he he deserves that conversation really, but uh, it, we just every every year it's like we we gotta throw one more name in the hat, guys, that, that could be the, you know, going in here in this draft. In every position too. So yeah, we'll see what we'll we'll see what happens over the next kind of three weeks or so. But awesome to have you on these two podcasts this week to talk on Road of His Overtime to to give the community a little bit of an insight into the upcoming 
class. Obviously, you can follow Travis, as I mentioned, at FF underscore Travis M. You can check out his work over at Mojo, where he is the lead college football analyst. Sean, as we get ready to close it out, anything final for Travis? Well, I, he got me kind of fired up discussing his uh, stock market on the last show. So, <laughs> Travis, give us a little bit of a, a tease again for how this is going to go. Sure. I mean, it's, it's 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 something that I feel like a lot of us have, have thought about. Like, man, what if I could actually invest in an athlete like a stock? Like, I, it's, how much time have I wasted, you know, trying to predict the future in my Debbie leagues? And now I can actually go monetize that, you know? <laughs> Except I can't because I work for Mojo, but you guys can, uh, you know, identifying, you know, those players um, on the college football market that are going to make it in the NFL. Um, and we're about to add like multiple hundreds of more college football players shortly after the NFL draft where you can actually invest in them and just like they're a stock. And, you know, like somebody might be, um, you know, a dollar and then they, you know, up to $30 and you made 30 X on your money. Like, I think that the most common uh, the question I get is like, well, what was Tom Brady when he came into the league? And uh, he was like $3. Like we backdated all our pricing and everything. Like he would have been three bucks a mojo. And he finished with $170 of accrued uh, what we call mojo value on the stock market. So that would have been an okay return, I think. Uh, <laughs> but there's all, all kinds of opportunities to uh, just have fun. And I use it as a kind of like a – player value tool even if you're not in new jersey right now we're only live in new jersey because we're trying to do it the right way you know actually be a fully regulated kind of stock market that passes all the smell tests with uh you know sports books and and financial um backing for you know you know all the nerdy uh financial laws that i don't know anything about but somebody does uh and so but yeah if you want to check it out we've got college football we have nfl nba we're adding baseball uh the, the week before the nfl draft actually uh, so that's a lot of fun. We had like all these crazy fun March Madness, like single game type uh, call and put options, like short term stuff. And we're going to have more of those apparently. So um, whatever you can do with the stock market, apparently you're going to be able to do that with Mojo here with uh, real professional and uh, future professional athletes. So that's 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 the Mojo deal. But I appreciate you asking. It's uh, it's it's funny. Like every time I've gone on a bunch of shows this spring talking about it and every time. Like I talk about it, even if somebody hasn't hasn't heard of it, they have all these questions for me after the after the show. I'm gonna have to ask you about this and this player, and and uh, we, we might do that off air. But it's 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 been fun. I can't even believe it's a real job. Like when I I'm, I, I'm not sure my grandparents even fully to this day. I've, I worked there six months, and like they act like they know what I'm saying. I don't think they do. But that's okay. It, it's it's just fun. That's all that matters to me. Yeah, it feels uh, feels strange sometimes, especially when we're talking about you know fantasy. You're talking about the stock market side of things, and you know, I sometimes I try and explain that uh, you know I do a podcast with somebody who lives you know in Arizona, and <laughs> we do that a couple of times a week, and said, "Oh, okay, okay." So sometimes I just uh, explain that yes. I do like basically uh, yeah. like a radio show. It's basically what I do. So yeah, but uh, awesome to have uh, Travis on, and whether people around us understand or not, we we understand. We love. Talking NFL, we love talking the draft, we love talking all different ways that you can get in and involved in and have fun doing so. But it's been awesome having Travis on for these two shows this week. We will be back with a third show that will drop on Friday, myself and Sean. So do come back and check that out. Subscribe to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. As always, you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. If you're looking to sign up for a one-year Rotoviz NFL pass, you can use the code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to save yourself 10%. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And until we are back, have a good one. 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>